A toy? As I suspected, I hate toys. And toys hate me. Either they are going or I am going. Welcome to episode 278 of Texing, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and the inimitable Jason Roberts. Welcome, Jason. How are you doing? Doing all right. It's a, it's a beautiful day here in Pasadena, in my place. Um, I have different sofas. J- Jason bitterly complained at the, at the new, well, the new seating s- layout. You wanted me to sit in this chair. It just looked incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> well, I'm used to your nice, big, comfy couch. Well, we, we, we've just, we actually had a bit of a debacle about... So you call them couches or sofas? I call them couches, but I guess you can call them either. Same thing. So we went out and ordered uh, custom couches. Oh, good. So you're going to be made. them in like a year from now? No, they made them. They brought them. They look nothing. They're basically, they, pro- they promised that they would make a couch, or I'm going to say sofa, that looked exactly like a pitch that we gave them. That was their promise. So we would, we, and the only reason why we went, we, there was these ones that we knew we already wanted from uh, Ethan Allen, I guess is the name of the place. Georgie loved these ones. But, m- but my family are coming over to spend a couple of weeks with us, so she wanted to, to rush them. So she went and said, can you, you, know, can you make these customs? So basically, they had, they had an attempt, and they looked nothing like it. So it was really annoying. So what happened? Did you get your money back? Or? Uh, we, unfortunately, the problem was is that, as usual, in Justin fashion, it all went pear-shaped. So, so what happened was Georgie was not in the house when they were delivered, right? So I didn't really, I mean, I'm obviously not paying much attention to like, you know, what they look like. So they were delivered and I'm like, okay, fine. Signed for them. And then they left. And so I signed for these. So she gets home and she's like, what are those? What are those? Those things that look nothing like what I want. I'm like, uh, the sofas, they delivered them. She's like, no. So anyway, so it was backwards and forwards, and we got finally half our money back. So only half, huh? Yeah, um, but that's the best we could do. And now we're gonna. How much did you spend on them? <laughs> Four thousand. Jesus, <laughs> Ooh, what a face plant! <laughs> and, and and so then, so then, so then she says to me, "I'm going to be nice to you. The rest of our marriage, there will never be another argument." If you just let me spend the money on the other sofas that I already want. (laughs) (laughs) So we lose the two grand and we buy these other sofas. So we're currently in a situation of like waiting for those other ones to come. Um, And the one that you're on is our landlady had a spare one in the garage right there. Okay. So I guess it's going to be, I don't know, another two months before we get them. Another two or three months. (laughs) Our life. (laughs) Wow. Well, it kind of reminds me. You, you, you guys had ordered these uh, soundproof, like uh, curtains, yeah. curtains that turned yeah. out to be like toxic. Or that something. was me. That was my fault. Because yeah. you just rushed. You didn't do enough research on them, and you just kind of. That was on me. Yeah, yeah. I just they no. To be honest, I don't. I, I don't think research is going to show up that they just have this incredibly incredible smell. Okay. I don't like, know, a, I, I like a chemical, strong chemicals. I mean, so. I think that typically people use soundproof curtains for things like theaters. And places like that where it doesn't really matter. Okay. Probably not for bedrooms. That was. It's the, not as close to you. Yeah, exactly. It's against the wall. It's super, it's super close. Yeah, that's what the problem is. But there's a, there's a lot of those kind of moments in our life. It's it's interesting. Is it just because you're like impulsive? You guys just do stuff really quickly, or I, gu- I guess 
I guess. But but I said, I said, look, gee, look, let's just make a, a pact. You never buy anything without my detailed approval, and I will never buy anything without your detailed approval. And then we're going to miss out on a bunch of things. Like, for example, the walking desk, which I'm sure you're about to ask me about. Yeah, like, I were very interested in thinking about how that. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so you want to know, can I, can I walk? Yeah, well, first of all, what did she say? What, what, was, it, what was your talk? You know, you said you were going to... Oh, she, she was like, yeah. Yeah, she's like, okay. Well, how, do, how does the walking desk fit into that scenario? Was it, did you buy... Is it an the walking purchase? desk fits into that scenario because she said... You shouldn't buy that walking desk because you're going to overdo it when you get it and it's, you're going to hurt yourself and then you're not going to want to use it anymore, mm-hmm. which is exactly what happened. Right. That's, she knows you. Yeah. Uh, okay. So what ha- So what's the last time we talked, which was two weeks ago, three weeks right. ago? Yeah. You, yeah, it was three weeks ago. You were hobbling around. Oh because my God. You I could tr- barely walk. Really damaged your, the insertion points in your Achilles. Uh, no. And, so I found out what it was. It, like I went to a doctor, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah, podiatrist. Yep. And uh, which one? Uh, I can't. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Berentine. No, no. Anyway, um, he said plantar fasciitis. That's no, that's the plant. That's usually more towards the the center. Yeah. So it? basically, what it, what here's what I did. Um, I got the walking desk, which doesn't have any kind of suspension on it. I wore slippers, which doesn't have any kind of arch in it. Right. And I basically walked for 14 hours in three days. And when I was walking, I was just kind of working and like looking at my desk. I wasn't paying any attention to how I was walking. And each, and I, and I thought to be, to be clever, I thought what I should do is put it on like a point four, like the slowest. So I put it on the slowest. I walked those 14 hours straight and just basically because it was going so slow, my foot was going flat stomp. And I wasn't paying attention to how heavy I was hitting it. Right. So flat foot, stomp, 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 14 hours. Looking like an elephant. Basically, what it does is, if I'd have put it on one mile an hour, I wouldn't be in the situation. Because I'd have been, it would have been heel first. It's because I put it so slow that I screwed myself up. So basically, the arch of the foot, like the suspension kind of tendon that between the ball, the big toe and the heel. And then it goes up your foot as well. Anyway, that thing like is just really, really bruised and like just kind of hurt. But it's not irrecoverable. I mean, I'm feeling way, way, way better now. What did he say to do? Take 600 mil of ibuprofen three times a day. Um, and stay off it? St- not stay off it. No, no, not to stay off it. Um, basically, there's these authentic, authentic, orthotic. orthotics that I got made like ages ago, which are molded to my feet and I haven't used them ever. I, I got... I don't know, I just never used them. But anyway, I got him out of the cupboard and I showed him to him and he said, yep, that's exactly what you need. Wear those whenever you use shoes. And that's what I've been doing. Icing it at all? I've been icing it, yeah. Got these special gel packs. So, I mean, I've, like, I, can, I can walk around. I mean, I still do feel pain or whatever. I've got my checkup with him on Monday. But, I mean, the thing is, I'm kind of vis-a-vis walking desk. I, I just... I don't know if I want to be near something that can do that much damage to me. Well, it didn't do it. You did it. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like not learning how to drive and then you get in a car and you drive and you smash into a tree at the end of the block and you don't want to get a car the rest of your life. It's just, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think if you just do it correctly, you know, wear some decent shoes, support, don't do it four or five hours in the first day, just do it for a half hour, you know, and just slowly build up over time. I've got a new plan. 
Great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this was the laziest plan of all, so yeah. you even lazier? No. My new plan is to give up on being lazy. My new plan is to actually just do it. Do something? Yeah. Okay. What are you going to do? So I found this gym in Pasadena, which is... Which cats, yeah. Cats. I used to work out with her. That's where I worked out for years. So they, what, I, what I wanted to do was I wanted to find somewhere that actually had people who could re- re- rehabilitate people. Because I'm basically fucked, is what I've realized. Like, I mean, everything. Like, this shoulder hurts, these feet hurt, like, the knee. I mean, just everything. So I'm just going to work with these people. I've got to consult with them. I'm just going to say, look. Fix me. Take control of me. Give me a Tell program. me what to do. I'm going to do what you say. And that's what I'm going to do. So one thing I would, one thing I would, so I used to train there years ago. Yeah. I, well, when I had my ACL, I tore my ACL on my That's exactly what that, yeah. My right knee. And uh, after a surgery, I went back there and I rehabbed there. And then I continued to train there. Because mm-hmm. um, for a while there, they had this program that if they, well, if you, you rehab there after a serious injury, you could then pay like a, a some monthly fee and you could come in and just continue and use the facilities yeah. to keep things up. But it turned out they, they stopped doing that because a number of us were doing that. And they would charge like $80 a session for people to be part of like a five-person group with a trainer. Yeah. And we were effectively doing the same thing because we were like four or five or six people who were all who had rehab there, knew how to do everything. Sometimes the trainer workouts, and we were paying like $30 a month. Right. And they're like, yeah, we can't do that anymore. So I stopped going, but I used to go there for years, and it's great. It's a great place. In fact, I just went down there on um, – I just went down there last week. It was last week, early this, yeah, early last week, to um, you know, because I tore, I, I, I strained my adductor attachment to my left. So this, so that, so this is the de facto place to go for rehabilitation, then. Well, I mean, there are more places, but but I mean, they, they're they, very good. They're, they're like facility. They're listed as like the in the top ten gyms in the USA for the last three years running. There you go. I used to know a lot of people there. Like I, I used to, get, I knew the guy who was head of training there. I used to play for my soccer team. I used to know the physical therapist. Just bring the mic closer to your mouth a little bit. Like, it's, it's kind of weird. It's weird how it's... You gave there. me the broken one. Yeah, I know. Well, okay, that's good. Like that. All right. There we go. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, anyway, I used to know a ton of people there. But a lot of them have since left because, you know, I used to train there like 12 years ago or something. Okay. Um, oh, wait, 14 years ago. 12, 14 years ago. And it really helped you through your ACL injury? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Specifically, how did, how, why, why did it... Well, because you have, when you have, when you injure yourself, you have to do a lot of rehabilitation to, to build the muscles and tendons and everything back up. And, and they, you know, they can train you to get really fit. So one thing you, you got to make sure, one thing I would do with them is, is you need to come up with goals. Yeah. Like you yeah. need to say, I have strength slash fitness or weight goals. That I want to reach, you know, over a period of months. So it's like, you don't just go there and go through the, the motions. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm going to, no, I'm going to do say, it. You know, I'm going to do it. I'm, this is the year of, no, of unlazy. The year of unlazy. Do it. All right, well, that's great. I mean, that's a great place. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, all right. I still don't think you should give up on the walking desk. I think you should get some free, I think you should get some free calories out of that. Yeah. I just think you need to wait till you're 100% healthy again. And then, and then do it in an intelligent, graduated. Just start off with like yeah. half an hour a day. Yeah, just a half hour a day. Or even since you've injured, do it 15 minutes for a couple yeah. of days. Like, oh, that was good. That what, what level would I go back on it? Like when I'm completely cured? Yeah, wait till you're, wait till you're better. Okay. Just wait till you're all better. For like in another three months? Yeah, just yeah. wait till you're 100% better. Now, you all don't right. want no risk injury. 
But um, oh, so so just to finish off, so I went there to get, I went there last week to get um, a console on my injuries because yeah. I haven't lifted weights since like December. Yeah, which sucks because I'm you know I'm dying to get back training, and uh, I had I strained a doctor attached my left knee, and I have that strained a leg in my right elbow, and yeah, after like a half hour, the guy's like, yeah. <laughs> He basically told me what I already knew, which is like you just gotta lay off it. But one thing he said I could do like you know the really light weight, like three sets of twenty with really light. Yeah, okay. So I'm gonna start doing that. I, I went to that last week that that day, and if I kind of felt like it might help, like I'm I'm a little optimistic that I might be able to spark a little bit of a. Yeah, just so so at least you're keeping it like in in operation rather than it completely atrophy. Well, I mean, because that's my whole body, right? Yeah. I mean, everything is atrophying a little bit for sure. But um, sometimes when you like, when you have an, an injury, if you rehab it by doing lightweight, just because you know, those, those, those lightweight resistance exercises make create tiny tears. Yeah. So by creating those tiny tears, just like, just like when you're trying to get stronger, build muscle, it in theory should facilitate the healing process more that's right i i I read about that um also for for the thing that i've got the plantar fasciitis like they they do this thing called a heel drop so you stand up on your on your toes and then you just like let go and you gotta be very careful with that yeah when you see what happens is you know you when you talk to people who don't really know what they're talking about and they're like oh are you stretching it like you're like you're supposed to stretch you do not stretch injured muscles that are really injured like especially very light stretching at most, but you don't pull the muscle fibers apart when they're still just trying to yeah. heal, right? And a lot of knuckleheads will do that. They're like, oh, yeah, stretching. I'm like, that's, you're, what are you, you an idiot. So um, you make sure you talk to a therapist and they'll say, stretch, they'll tell you if you can stretch and also to what degree you can stretch. So don't okay. just read on the internet and think you should start doing heel drops with you know, <laughs> damaged, you know, damaged tendons or whatever, because you, you could definitely cause yourself some problems. So, uh, you want to go or I've, I've go got another story. Yeah, give me you. a story. Let's hear it. So, uh, we spring break, we went to, um, to Pismo beach. Right. Pismo beach is down at, no, it's North. up. It's up. North. Um, it's nice and nice, nice and sunny. And, and near Pismo beach, they have a, a town called San Luis. Abisbo. How do you say it? San Luis Abisbo. Yeah. And that had, that has a mission. So we went there uh, to the mission, we've been there before because we've this. This is like a family favorite. This place, so we we go into that town to to eat or whatever. But anyway, went to the mission another this recent time, and um, walking back to the car, and I noticed a health food restaurant by the by the mission. So I'm like, I felt like a juice, right? Like a nice juice. So I said, Georgie, let's go into that health food place. So she's, okay, sure. So we walked over to the road, across the road, walked into the health food place. And as soon as I walked through the door, I knew that there was something different about this place. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to try and paint the picture to you of this this whole story. Like, this is a... So, <laughs> like, there's just two, maybe two customers in there mm-hmm. speaking in German. Okay. Like, strong German. And the sound system is playing you know how like kind of hippie some, sometimes they play hippie music like like there'll be bells ringing and there'll be like people chanting okay it's like you know oh you know that kind of thing so is that kind of like but for some reason in in these like the next five minutes that i've got to describe to you this this chanting music sounded like 
You ever see Flash Gordon, like those old black and white Flash Gordons where the, the ship kind of goes... So it's kind of like there's this rocket, this crazy rocket flying around. And on the counter of this place is this like big white plastic UFO looking thing. Okay. And it's like got these, these kind of like purple lights flashing on it. Uh, so I'm like, okay. And there's like obviously the menu and, you know, the usual and a um, couple of fridges on the right. So anyway, this is all kind of weird and interesting. And I, I walk up to the counter and this guy comes and he's kind of got like white straggly hair. And he's like, hello. Like in this, in a really strong, I'm, I'm not very good at doing German accents, but he's like got, you know, really strong German accent. Like, what would you want? <laughs> kind of thing. I'm like, I'll have um, a juice, green juice. Okay. So fair enough. So he goes and makes green juice. Brings it back to us. I'm like, what's that uh, that UFO thing there? He's like, this is for the EMF frequency. It kills them. Makes it much safer to be here. I'm like, okay. 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 So you're to follow up. You're not just going <laughs> to let it go and walk out. See, that's what a normal human being would do. They'd be like, that's not- this is, these are weird people. I'm leaving now. <laughs> so, so let's see. So you decided to engage. Okay. So he goes, he goes, would you like some probiotic yogurt? <laughs> we have this amazing coconut yogurt that we make that no one else makes. It is incredible. It is probiotic, so healthy. So I'm like, uh, what, like just a, a, a taste? He's like, yeah. So he, he walks over to, uh, to the fridge. There's these kind of fridges. And I can see him grabbing this big jar of like homemade stuff. And it's almost... It's almost not even laser printed. It's like typewriter. A typewriter did the label of this thing. So he t- he gets this jar. He walks over to it, gets two big plastic spoons, white plastic spoons, dips in big gollop piece, d- big pieces. Gives one to Georgie, one to me. I'm looking at Georgie. She's smiling. Jack's there, like, and you know how like in the Matrix, bullet time. You know, like bullet time when everything slows down. Right. You know, Mitch, like, did, did you ever have that moment in your life when something so impactful happens to you that it's just bullet time? So I can remember everything from like the next two seconds. I'm looking at Georgie's face and the spoon of yogurts going towards her face. And I've got the spoon and there's the two German people <laughs> speaking on the side. There's the, there's the rocket ship going above and there's this crazy guy serving us. And so we put the spoons in our mouths and we both swallow and look at each other. And he says, yeah. This is made from a human strain. It's made from babies. Made from babies? Made from babies. I'm like, babies? He's like, yeah. I looked at Georgie and Georgie didn't really hear. And she's like smiling. I'm like, she said, what did he say? I said, he said, it's made from babies. What? component of babies i said i said what component of babies is this made from he said we swab the spittle on the saliva from the baby we put it in a petri dish we culture it and we turn it into a coconut yogurt <laughs> you know you sound like <laughs> you sound like burger meister meister burger <laughs> <laughs> from the uh you know that's from the kids the christmas the stop motion no, i christmas do not thing. know that Burger Meister, Meister Burger, perfect. Yeah, look it up on the web. That's who you are. That's that. That's who your your 
you're uh, sounding exactly like. Anyway, so yeah, so 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 it's so they make yogurt from baby spittle. Mm, was it was it good? Well, you can just imagine like for the feeling of it going down your throat, like thick yogurt going down your throat, mm-hmm. thinking that it was made from the culture of baby swab. Mm-hmm. It was pretty remarkable. It was a crazy experience. And we just, George and myself looked at each other and we were like, wow, I never thought I would be eating babies today. That's, uh, that's kind of gross, I guess. So did you hang out there or did you finally leave after that? We, uh, I think we, we, we left. I mean, we, we maybe sat down for just a minute. We kind of backed away and said, okay, enough, enough interacting with this guy. Right, <laughs> Let's right. just go and sit down. Drank my juice. We left. Yikes. Okay, well, uh, is that the end of the story? That is the end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so what else you got? What do you mean? I've just, what are you talking about? I've just given 20 minutes of, yeah, 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 of yeah, prime yeah, content yeah, for this material? show. <laughs> okay. So, you, so mom up. Yep. You want to hear? Okay, so. Well, it's um, about time. We, um, we had Math Field Day. Last weekend. Math, okay. So, remember that once a year competition that all the, the, the schools in the county compete? Yeah. So, it was funny. Up until about three weeks ago, we, hadn't, we had done no preparation for it. And Sanity kept saying, you know, I really think we need to start preparing for Math Field Day. And I would just, I was just ah, you know, I don't want to spend time dealing with that. Like, we're, yeah, What is Math Field Day? It's a math competition. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's like a five-hour event yeah um you know it's hundreds and hundreds of kids competing so we put in two teams of four kids mm-hmm. and then we have two alternates one alternate for each team and the same with all these other schools so there's like 20 schools mm. um and it's it's very competitive like the, the, the schools take it very seriously um because it's this you know big big deal um and uh you know sandy was sandy kept trying to get me to schedule some time to 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 prepare for it because you know you you there's there the questions are like these complex word problems conceptual understanding and you have to you work in as a group so you gotta learn to, the kids gotta learn to work as a team and they gotta learn how to parse these complex questions and figure out how to solve the math involved and then ha- write their explanations in full sentences and so it's just sort of a different kind of a test and there's three sections to it there's two team parts each a half hour and there's one individual section yeah so anyway, um, so I was three weeks before I begrudgingly said, "All right, last fifteen minutes, we'll do some math field day prep." But I want to because we were doing trig at the time. Like I want to get through this trigonometry stuff. And then it was spring break for a week, and then we had one week left. <laughs> then he's like, "Okay, well, can we spend this week preparing at least?" I'm like, "All right, fine." So we spend the three days that we had, and we just did uh, you know practice sections of the test from like 2013. So we go in and. We end up, uh, so there's 50 teams, roughly. Tw- so each school puts in two teams plus all the alternate teams. So you get something like 50 teams. So we didn't win, but our two teams won second and third overall. Oh, wow. And we tied the, fir- the team that came in first. We got the exact same score. So there was some invisible tiebreaker hmm. there that they won. We don't know exactly what it were, but they, they, they won like last year as well. They're always one of the top teams. Interesting. Sierra Madre. They're at Sierra Madre. They're kind of a wealthy area. Yeah. They they put all they spend all year preparing for this test. Wow. Um. 
And you just did it like last minute in the last week. They caught a week and a half of prep. Yeah. (laughs) And you still, you still tied with them. Yeah. Yes. I wonder if it's, if there's any aspect of the fact that you've done so much breadth uh, of training with the kids that it just teaches them to just think so, so well, you know? Yeah. Well, we spend a lot, we do spend time on problem solving skills, but yeah, you know, when you spend all year doing ninth and 10th grade level math, and then you go back to doing fifth grade math, it seems kind of like a joke, right? And so this was all fifth grade? Yeah. Because they're in fifth grade. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they're hard fifth grade problems, but it's fifth grade math. Yeah. You know, and they're like, when we did the practice that they were kind of laughing, like, this is this, <laughs> this is what we're doing. I'm like, yeah, this is fifth grade math. Remember? <laughs> You're in fifth grade, kid. <laughs> so um, nice. it was funny. So yeah, Sandy had been pushing to do this and I was just blown and I was kind of blown off because it was just, for me, it was just felt like a distraction. But she was saying, she kept trying to point out that we need to do well in this because we need to validate what we're doing. I mean, we're going off on this, you know, they're doing this, this accelerated math class and that we're just sort of doing our own thing. And if we don't do well, it could bring into question what we're doing. Mm, good. That's good thinking. You yeah. know, like, okay, you guys didn't even do well at math field day. Are you guys doing anything productive? What yeah, are you doing? I agree. That's very good thing. You know, um, but, and uh, so it turned out like that was great because when we did that well, I mean, Schools never have both their teams finish in the top three, much less three-way tie for first, effectively. Yeah. Um, so that was amazing. So the parents were just going nuts. The <laughs> administration, the I mean, everyone is, all the teachers over there, everybody was just going nuts, you know, at, like, at the fact of how well we did, right? That's all awesome. Emails. And so it really, and so the, it really validated us. And um, the, 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 the lady at the school, she's called the CRT, I think it's Curriculum and Research Teacher or something. So... She's the one who kind of is in charge of all these kinds of things, gifted and talented programs and these sorts of things. And she's like, she comes up, she's like, she gives Sandy a huge hug. And she goes, and she's like, all right. She's like, will you please coordinate Math Field Day for all the teams next year? Because Oh, wow. Well, because the fourth. The fourth That's work. <laughs> well, it really won't take much. It's more like I'll just kind of like remind people, like give them like, here's what you need to do to prepare. Here's what I recommend. Kind of help get people. So you're not going to be like, you know, we just need a week and a half. I would say like, you'll do it for reals. Well, if, if I mean, we're doing other stuff, but if all you're doing, if you're not doing what we're doing, which you're not going to be like, this is what I'd recommend doing. This yeah. is the most efficient way to prepare for this. This is what the kids need to be able to do. Here's what I'd start doing at the beginning of the year. Here's how I'd sketch, you know, I'd get kids used to doing the tests. Here's how I'd get them used to working in teams here. I'd critique their work. And this, that's how you, if you really want to maximize how they're going to do in this. So but anyway, so the, the fourth and seventh grade teams only got put together like six weeks before the competitions. Yeah. They didn't have a lot of time to prepare. Most of these schools have been preparing for at least three months, if not all year. Wow. And the, si- the sixth grade and eighth grade didn't even have teams because no parents, no one, nobody, nobody would volunteer to coach them. Well, so was it like, they, they, did, did they have like a, a school assembly where they say, and this year, we want to give a great big thanks to Jason and Sandy who What's, brought in our two fifth grade teams to. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, so they wanted to do that this Wednesday night. They wanted they, the PTA wanted to honor us and have all the kids show up in their medals and stuff. Unfortunately, I signed up for a tour of JPL's Mission Control. Ooh. The very same thing. So University of Chicago does special alumni events occasionally, and I guess there's some big shot at JPL who's a you know, alumnus of Chicago yeah, and small group of us who signed up really quickly and took the spots. And I signed up for like five months ago. 
So we've been waiting for this. And Colby is super excited about going. Okay. And uh, I, there's no way that we can miss that. Yeah. So I don't know. Sandy's going to go. And unfortunately, I don't. Oh, so you don't get. I don't oh. even get to go. But that I don't sucks. know. It's like, what's the, what are the chances, you know? But um, yeah, so it, it was a huge success. So now. Congratulations, it, man. That's great. So that was great. The kids are great. I'll show you the picture. I'll, I'll put a link up to the I picture. saw it on Facebook. Oh, you did? Oh, you showed yeah, the picture? Yeah. Oh, with Sandy. Did I? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, all the kids with their medals? Yeah, all their medals, yeah. So, that thing was interesting about it. So, I ended up through... Uh, I, I, well, I ended up contacting this guy who is the co-director of outreach for Caltech. So, outreach for doing stuff for the community, specifically K-12. through hmm. And I... Basically, sent me an email and I said, listen, we teach this accelerated math class. We're just at McKinley. We're just a few blocks away. I wanted to get in touch with you about if there's any way that we could work together in some way. I see what you guys are offering or I just, you know, and also wanted to just tell you what we're doing. I mean, these kids are doing, you know, algebra two and trigonometry and they're 10. Mm -hmm. and, and then I followed up and it was like the next day we won the, you know, did really well at Mouthfield. They said, oh, by the way, we did this. And he's just like, holy smoke like because he was very well aware of how hard that competition is and and he's like so we had a, having a phone call and he's like yeah he's like well first of all i'd love to get like a hacking math field day from you like you give like a maybe design a curriculum that we get the schools like this is how you teach kids to do this you know <laughs> i'm like sure why not you know um but so they they do work to develop programs at the schools um you know doing different kinds of interesting things and and i said look what I'm really looking for, well, in the short term, I'd like to be, I'd love to be able to do some thing where maybe we could come to Caltech, I'd bring a small group, and maybe we could get like a little lecture from some professor or somebody and maybe have some practice proms or, you know, and, and make it kind of a thing. Like that mm. would really get the kids excited. Maybe see a lab, a physics lab or, you know, just to, just right. to kind of give them a sense of what it's like at Caltech and also allow them to sort of participate in some way. And I said, but since the kids are so advanced in math, they, we could probably do something kind of neat, you know? <laughs> Especially if we had like a month, like, okay, we're in a guy who's a math professor of combinatorics. Okay, okay, we'll spend a month working purely in combinatorics. So they'll know more than any high school student would know about combinatorics. So you could actually give them a fun problem to work on and make it, you know. I'm like, that would be cool, right? That would, that would really light the kids up. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and, you know, if we could do that two or three times a year, things, just small things like that. I was like, that's all that I'm really looking for for now. But if there are summer programs or there's any kind of things, love to get involved in that. I said, but really what I want to do is when these kids get to high school, they will have more than likely finished all of high, high school math, including calculus, and then some. And what I would like to do is have a path for them, th for things that they could do at Caltech. Maybe they have some kind of independent research where they have some of some kind or maybe there's some classes that they can take because you know i think one thing the teachers are wondering it's like okay so these kids get really advanced in math and then they go to some high school then what happens you know and and i've sort of alluded to the idea of taking classes in university but if we have if we establish relationships now and really get things going then it won't be this sort of nebulous undefined thing yeah it'll be a real, be a real thing because it's hard to go into high school and start talking to the you know, the principal or whoever's in charge there and say, well, my kid's going to take some courses in some high school, you know, some college. And they're like, well, what, what's going on? Like, what, you know, it's just, you need to have something really set. And he said, absolutely. You can do stuff like that. And, and he's like, um, so for instance, he has this one ninth grade girl who, who does, um,
he has this one uh, ninth grade girl who he has given uh, access to a uh, a lab, a chemistry lab. And she works on her own organic chemistry research there, mm. and with some mentoring and supervision by some um, Caltech faculty. Wow! She just comes over whenever she wants and works on her research. <laughs> and the stuff that she's done is actually going to be that they're going to create um, a, a build build some curriculum out of it for summer projects or some, or, you know, for some of these um, programs they have for high school students. And I'm like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Mm. You know, if we could get stuff going on with these kids, I mean, it would just, it would be amazing. You know, that's I, awesome. I know some of our kids are interested in, I've mentioned one girl particularly is really interested in chemistry and I know, and I see the kids are, you know, Colby's interested in like rockets and aerospace stuff. So, but if you get them that advanced in math and physics, then that other stuff is stuff they can do. Yeah. You know, you can't take a normal ninth grader and have them do much anything because they don't know anything you know normally they barely know algebra right like you know like we'll see in five years you know so anyway that's really exciting so that's amazing yeah i think we're gonna meet on monday and then he wants to come over and see one of our classes oh wow so that'd be neat that's cool that's pretty exciting that is that is great so caltech wait is that just up the up the The other side of lake yeah okay yeah and caltech is one of the best Science, math, science, engineering. I mean, that's where Einstein. What? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, Feynman. Einstein no, but, was the Institute of Advanced Studies. No, no, but uh, in Pasadena. In Pasadena. Pasadena. Cal- uh, Fein- Richard Feynman was at Caltech. No, but Einstein spent a year in Pasadena. Did he? Yeah, and it would have been at Caltech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he spent a year in Pasadena, and that, yeah, that, that's. That was it. I mean, Caltech is, is, you know, you might say it's the best. If if not, it's right there. It's like you know top three, top five, whether it's Harvard or Princeton or you know, MIT or whatever. I mean, they're, it's, it's the elite. You know, it'd be amazing just to do this at any college. Yeah. I mean, if you're like University of Western Kentucky, okay, yeah. fine. You know, that'd still be great compared to high school. But like you're talking about Caltech, right? I mean, that's, yeah. and I, I think I was, and so I, email, I sent an email to the parents because you know, I'm still trying to convince them not to take the kids to other high schools. And I'm yeah. like, okay, this would be a very, very good reason not to leave. Yeah. Because all these kids are going to be smart. They're going to get mostly or all A's. They're probably going to do, you know, very well on their standardized test, and they'll probably take a fair number of AP classes. Okay, congratulations. There's about 50,000 other kids like that in the country that you're going to be competing against for getting to all the other good schools or to getting scholarships or getting a free rides or whatever. Now you go and you do, a, you know, independent research overseen by some Caltech professors and something, and you get some <laughs> references on top of all that. That is what gets you noticed. That's where people, that's where admissions staff look, look up and go, wow, that's amazing. You know? It'd be, it'd be really in, interesting to hear if you've changed any of those parents' mind, minds as this, as this progresses. How long do you have left? Just, what, another three months, is it? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there's like, there was a first round of lottery and some people got in, a couple people got into schools, the high schools that they wanted, and then... A lot of them, some of them didn't, but then they're looking at other schools. And I know there's another round. I don't know what it is. But I mean, how long till the end of the year when you, like the kind of, where there's no turning back for, for the parents? Well, it could be now. Like a few kids may have already, I think there's a few kids that are for sure going no matter what. But it's like, oh, there's really? one or two that I'm particularly trying to convince the parents. Right, okay. Trust me, like you do not want to leave. If we do this and you take your kid to, I don't know, whatever, whether it's Blair or Marshall or whatever, and, you know, you put them in, you know, even if they're a, year, a couple of years ahead in math, like that's not very much. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're you're three years ahead. You run into these kids, and it's just going to be like night and day. 
you guys are going to be like in slow motion and we're going 100 miles an hour and there were all kind of amazing things. And, you know, and I told him too, it's like if you leave, there's no comeback because you'll be too far behind. You yeah. go back, you take a year and you go to Blair and then you go, oh, they stuck him in eighth grade math. And then, you know, my, my son or daughter's really bored and we're thinking about comeback. I, I can't help you. I mean, we're, we're two years, three years beyond you guys now. I mean, yeah. Hold you. <laughs> so yeah. I'm trying to tell you, there is no coming back. But if you stay with us for a year and if you said, hey, Jason is kind of full of it. This wasn't that great. Or rather, maybe my son or daughter isn't that crazy about it, just does not like McKinley. And I don't, I mean, the math is great, but it's just not enough to keep us here. Okay, fine. At least you know. Yeah. Because next year we're going to have the kids five days a week and it's going to even be more. Wow. That's going to be incredible. So, anyway, that's. Um, so, what are you going to end up with once they left? Like six kids then? Somewhere between five and seven, I think. Okay. Five, eight, eight if I'm really lucky, but I don't know. Hmm. We'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm doing, I'm fighting for them. I'm doing everything right. I can. I'm, do, I'm, I'm really pushing the limits to how far I can get before I start like pissing parents off. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be so pushy that the parents are like, all right, Jason, like we hear, we, we understand that you think this is really important. We want to go somewhere else. You know, I mean, there's a, some level parents are going to do what they think is right for their kids and they have other factors that they, they have in mind other than, you know, yeah, math and science or whatever. Exactly. They hear you. So, but I also want to give up to, uh, just a quick update. I'm, so I've been working on the battle math stuff. Oh, the cards. Oh, just, I mean, yeah, I'm working really hard on that. I'm really hoping to get. What does that mean, working on it? Like, which part of it is so taking the So I'm designing the cards. So I have, so you have cards that, have, are, that are problem cards. It has a problem on one side of the card and a solution on the back. Mm-hmm. And then you have the regular cards, which are kind of like rule cards, you know. Um, so by designing, you mean like. Creating the cards. Like it's not graphics or something like that. It's, it's the problem sets. Yeah, but I've, I've uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm doing it without graphics because I'm not a graphics designer, graphic designer, and I don't want to spend money and time in that. So I'm doing, yeah. you know, sans graphics. Yeah. But the um, creating the problems, you know, because I get to create a ton of problems. So I'm taking all the problem sets I did and all the, all the um, LaTeX that I used to lay out the equations. And then you got to make sure the entire solution fits on the back of a card. So you got to be really <laughs> clever about, okay, what steps do I show and how do I... Okay. Get the whole thing and, um, you know, and then you get like, well, how much does it cost or how much damage does this problem cause? And, you know, it's, you got to create the work, the game. You at least have symbols on the cards? It's just text? Uh, well, you know, I do like, I mean, you'll, you'll see it. I mean, it's laid out, it has like a border and it looks, it's okay. kind of nice, but I mean, it's not like I have a picture of a dragon. or. So, so if there's for a type of card, you just know because it says the name. What it'll it. say like, you know, problem, you know, or system of equations. Okay. Here's a problem, but that's just a problem solution card. Then there'll be the other cards will be like knowledge cards, which you have to use. You have to accumulate knowledge cards to be able to attack with a certain type of problem. And then you have like roll cards that allow you to change up like double damage or defend against a certain type of category of attack, all that kind of stuff. So there's this. I'm just the reason why I mention it is there's this great website called flaticon.com, and it would. I mean, if you wanted even just a little symbol in the bottom right hand corner or something. They have great, everything's just flat, really great icons. Yeah. You can just search it and find it and grab it, the PNGs, and put them on the card. So, want to let you know about that. Yeah, it's nice. Um, That'd be a quick way to give a graphical element without too much effort. Yeah, so, well, I, I think what I'm going to do is, I mean, I'm going to do it without much graphics and then just, I mean, most part is just getting the gameplay. Yeah, get the I gameplay, mean, yeah. Two things really have to happen. The game has to be kind of fun. Enjoyable. If it's not fun, then it's just not really... And teach them. And it has to... Yeah, it has to kind of work as a learning. Yeah. But what I'm what I want to do is is get it ready so that we can spend some time at the end of the year doing it. But then I want I'm hoping that we'll be 
you know, once a week during the summer, maybe like I, I think I might mention this, like every week, every Saturday or Sunday for an hour and a Penguins. half. And, yeah, ice cream and play tournament. <laughs> so I got to get it. But we got to get through a few iterations, play test iterations first before we even do that. Cause so when do you think you'll be able to play test it in the first place? I'm hoping a couple of weeks. You know, it's taking a lot. It's, it's a lot of work. Everything is. Everything. Anything you want to do. But Especially I, if you want to do it well. Mm-hmm. If you want to give, make it a minimum, minimum viable product, but one that kind of also has the holisticness that's going to work. Yeah. So, but I, I have a little bit of the madness about it. So I can tell. You know, I mean, I was, I, I couldn't work on the last few days because I was up in um, San Francisco with Uber. So oh, yeah. that was on hold. Um, that little company called Uber that no one knows about. Uber. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, it's funny. I was like, I walk around there. I was like, I don't know anybody. It's just so, I've talked to people who are new. You know, I mean, they're like six months and they said it's like tripled. I was like, this one girl, she says, she's been there eight months, eight, eight months. She says it's tripled. The engineering has tripled since she's been there. Like, <laughs> I don't know anybody anymore. Wow. And like, you can imagine how I feel. I woke up here and I feel like I know as many people here as I know at the airport right now. <laughs> there could be some random person walking around like, I, 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 you know, I know you from somewhere. That's crazy. I mean, it's funny. I mean, it's, I mean, I do, I know more people than that, but it's, it feels like, you know, I mean, people look like somebody I know, like I, people look familiar, maybe, maybe I've seen them before, or seen <laughs> them before, but I don't know. But you know, a lot of other people up in San Francisco. Yeah, no, I have friends. Like, so when I go up there, I always have lunches and yeah. breakfasts and stuff. I didn't organize a texting breakfast because I just... Um, oh, you were meant to do that. Yeah, a lot of times I just don't get my act together and I get up there too late and it's just too last minute. Well, talking about texting breakfast, I had a texting breakfast on Thursday. No, you did. I did, yeah. yeah. Martin Baker, who's a, a, a long-time listener, actually listened since the first episode. Wow. Um, he emailed me and said he was going to be over in uh, LA. So I said, all right, let's do lunch. He didn't send me an email. Well, I guess, I, he, guess I, get, I, it's, I guess it's it's the English connection. Oh, is he English? Yeah, he's English. Yeah, okay. from the UK. Yeah. So, um, so we we went to my favorite panko to Dan, and he was telling me about his, himself. He's he's cool. He's cool. Um, he's he does he basically codes uh, like audio and video processing software, which is kind of cool. Which is exactly what I said I wanted to learn how to do right with right, signal, signal processing. processing. Yeah. And, um, but he's like completely self-taught, which is kind of cool. Like he basically, uh, I think he, he had a business where he had like, uh, used to do video editing. So he had like video, a company that had like three video editing suites and it did various different UK shows, including, I believe he did some top of the pops, which is a famous music show. Like so what the, is his, what is the stuff he do now? What is it? Uh, well, it's now, now I think he's, um, he's basically doing consulting. Uh, large companies like uh, like Bose, for example, building like apps for them, and traveling around the world, and it, with a couple of secret projects that I don't think I I'm allowed to talk about. Oh, all right. But uh, yeah, he showed me some of his work. It's like you know, like you know when you look at something like I don't know Final Cut Pro or whatever, and it's got all the dials and the thingies. Mm-hmm. Like he does all that, the UI and the processing and the whole thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. That's it all. Is it? He says like he's doing it on mobile. He said apps. He's like mobile apps or is this like <laughs> well, they say, pretty much everything. So the one the one app he showed me was just a Mac app, but he does mobile apps, does all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. That's oh, that's my... the, the text texting breakfast of one. Text- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So nice to meet Martin Baker. Very English. Very English. Yeah. All right. So let's see. What do we uh, got? Any? Uh, let's see here. What? 
la 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 la. Oh, so here's something funny. Going up to San Francisco. Um, I did I tell you that one of the guys at Mighty Hive. Um, so I did some a little good consulting work for Mighty Hive. I'm good friends with the CEO. Um, yeah, yeah. You've you've mentioned that part. Definitely. Yeah. So Lexi is the CTO, and uh, we got to be pretty good buddies because we would you know working together. Um, on the, on the project I did for them. Yeah. And uh, it's funny. I don't know if I told you, but like he 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 told Pete like a couple months ago. He's like, yeah, I wanna. I'm getting in shape. He lost the weight. He's like, I'm gonna try and you know train myself to dunk. <laughs> did I tell you about that? No, you didn't know. Yeah. I, and he's like, well, you gotta talk to Jason because he won't shut up about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, he knows all about that now. So is he short? Is he short? Too no, short? he's like six two. Like okay. he used to be able to dunk in high school. He played basketball in high school and he used to dunk. Right. He, right. He, but. You know, he's since put on weight. He's like 37 now and okay. like, has a baby. And yeah, I mean, he's that young. <laughs> so he's like trying to get himself back in shape. So he lost a good amount of weight and he's thinking, ah, oh, you know, and he had had, he had damaged his Achilles um, really badly. So he was like tore completely. So mm. he was out of sports for a couple of years. So now he's kind of gradually getting back in. And so I sent him a big, long uh, list of links and also said, here's my suggested program. And then we went to breakfast and I said, all right. So he told me the stuff he was doing and stuff. That was and that was in San Francisco you met him? Yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. had breakfast. And I said, all right, all right, all right. Like, like, don't do that. Like, trust me, just do squats and do this. And he's like, you're right, you're right. I'm going to stick to the basics. You get, <laughs> people get too cute and they do all these things yeah. that don't really work. What was funny, so I thought that was hilarious that there was somebody else who was just randomly going to try and kill the drunk. <laughs> that I mean, is you know, bizarre. It's, I mean, I... I I acknowledge that it's sort of an absurd thing to do, right? Especially at my age. So to find somebody else who wants to do it, it just seems, you know, just ridiculous. And then um, I'm talking to Amos and he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, my goal, my goal for last year was to dunk, but I didn't do it. I'm like, and I thought he was just having fun with me. I thought he was like giving me shit, you know, like. That was his goal to dunk. I thought he was, I thought somehow he's making fun of me. Yeah, you would. But but he's like no. But then I realized, wait, no, you really trying to? He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I was doing this, but it wasn't working. I'm like, well, dude, <laughs> I know, I know exactly what you need to do. What were you trying to do? And he starts telling me, I'm like, no, no, that's not gonna work. <laughs> that is not gonna work. Trust me. Like, here's what you want. I'm like, all right, all right, I will send you a program, and I'll send you plenty of links. I don't want you to get lost doing the research because I've already done it. I'll just simplify. It. Just do this, and it should probably. So work. this year is the year of dunk. Year of the dunk. Well, last year was the year, the year of the dunk, and then I got and then. Of not dunking because of injury or whatever. It kind of sounds like you could start a little bootstrap business, like <laughs> training well, people to, to well, duck. There are people who do that. They're online. There are, there are a handful of, of, you know, guys. Dunk who, trainers? Yeah, they have like programs and they put out videos and you buy their programs and yeah. all this kind of stuff and, you know, whatever. Um, but it's just really funny. Well, I Two mean, people. Amos is Amos is young. Amos is twenty seven. Yeah, he plays pickup basketball all the time. He's six. He's six foot and he's pretty lean. So he he already like he's a candidate because he plays. Yeah, I'm like you. You can already touch the rim. I'm like, oh yeah, like no problem. Yeah, easy. right. Yeah. Like I can. I can only touch the bolt. I mean, dude. Yeah, I can. <laughs> the bottom bolt. Yeah, like, don't worry about it. But I was like, but this is what you got to do, right? And I go, I told him the equation. Oh, and I told the you know the dunk equation. You know, you're seventeen times your full body your body weight. Your squat divided by your body weight with translates to how many inches you can jump that whole thing and um i gave it to lexi he's like he's because he's doing it with two other guys yeah one guy's a young guy who's they're also trying to dunk yes there's all three of them are working out so there's together. three people in the world and you i think there's a lot more people than i thought who are kind of so apparently it's not such a crazy it's thing. not as kind of bizarre as i thought it was i mean you can imagine guys in their tw- early 20s who are still in college or later who are still playing a lot of basketball and are like, kind of like, oh, I want to dunk. I want to jump higher. But you just don't expect people who 
aren't doing that to think about dunking. So I interrupted you. You said you said he told the equation to his three buddies. Yeah. So so he had his three buddies. One guy is still in college. He's like a competitive track athlete. Another guy is I don't know, just another guy he works out with, and 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 they did the they tested their you know their squat and everything. And he's like it was amazing. He's like the the the, the equation was like right on. You know, like, and, he, and then he's like, once I started increasing my squat, like, I started to go That's up. I'm like, cool. yeah, it's, he's like, the equation is uh, amazing. I'm like, yeah, because for us, like, quantitative guys, it's like having an equation that is somewhat, de- you know, deterministic. It gives us a real sense of, like, all I got to do is this thing. If I can increase my squat or whatever, then that will. So, when, what do you think your squat's going to be? Like, will it, will it have regressed a lot? When oh, yeah, you- absolutely. Well, it'll regress a lot, but it'll be like, It'll, but I'll be, able to re- I'll be able to gain it back very quickly. Okay. You know, it'll be the kind of thing that, like, like when I, when I first started, like, say, lifting weights back in college, and the bench press is, like, one of the, like, the, the, the key strength lifts or whatever, and I remember that. You know, I could bench, like, 135 pounds or something like that, or even maybe less. And, you know, after years, I could then bench, I mean, at one point, up to 300 pounds. Well... Even if I take a year off or two years I don't lift, I could come back and, and bench, you know, 250 pounds within like six weeks. Right. But it sure as hell took me a lot longer to get from, from 135 to 250. That took years. So right? basically, it's like the little fibers are there ready to, ready to be engaged, but they're just like... They're to be neurologic. They get lazy. It's just like if you learn something before and you get lazy. It's like, it's like a language. Like if you went and learned German. Yeah. And then, <laughs> right? yeah. and then like you didn't live in Germany for a couple of years and you went back and it would take you maybe a month or so or two months to really get the fluency back. Yeah. You know, it's just, and I, I think your muscles, your, I mean, I think it's just how our, um, our, uh, our nervous system works, yeah. you know, whether it's muscular or it's linguistic, or anything, <clears throat> you know, you learn, you, it's the first time you do it takes a ton of time. Um, but the second when you come back, it doesn't. Take I mean, it's annoying. I will have. To, it will take me a couple months probably to get back to where I was. But um, hmm. the price of injuring myself, you know, being stupid. So which I that already. I know. But anyway, I thought it was hilarious about, that I'm running all these guys is crazy. There's like probably like a hundred people <laughs> trying to dunk right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, let's see. So what else? Let me see what I had. I wrote down a list of things here. Um, oh. You know, there was a, uh, a link on Hacker News today. It was called, uh, at Ask Hacker News. And it was on the front page. It says, how much do you remember from books you read and only once? Yeah. And it was talking about all the people. And I remember in the comments was complaining about how, you know, they read stuff and they forget it and how frustrating it is. And, and people were, some people say, well, I write notes in the margin or I write note cards. And there's a few people like, I remember everything I read. You know, like, kind of like... <laughs> Give me a break, right? You know, photographic memory. Well, I think people are full of it. I think if they actually got, te- I think it's one of those things that false sense of of mastery. Yeah. You think you remember it, and then if I actually get a test on it, you'd fail. And that's what thing happens with students all the time is is they think they've mastered something because they can follow someone doing it on the board, but then when they actually go and have to do the problem or actually do something, they really can't. You know, the brain tricks your your brain. Our brains trick us into thinking that we know more than we do. I find that I mem- I've got an you know I, you know that the super superpower that we talk about what's it called the mediocre super- media I think my mediocre superpower is remembering little weird googles about tech like you know how to do a string replace or whatever like I do seem to always remember those even though they are tiny little fragments of information I only look at them once I think I think when you remember things like that it's because it has some connections to other things you have reinforcing connections mm. 
you know, that it's related to other things. You may not be aware that there are connections, but there's some connections to other things in your brain. Interesting. It's like a web holding it up, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know, but, you know. But I'm used to remembering anything else. I just remember tech stuff. You care about it. Programming stuff, yeah, I guess. You care about it, and I think yeah. because there are other connections there. Yeah. Well, it's like when they, they, I, they had done this thing where they showed like a chess, a chess board to like a grandmaster, just a flash of it, and they could almost reconstruct the whole thing. Hmm. But if it was if the pieces were randomly situated, they couldn't. So it was like because oh, so what? It was a game that they played. If there was a real game of chess that something they didn't name it, somebody else played. It was like part of the way through the game, and you just flashed it. They could then immediately go and oh, but then they just put pieces randomly on a board, and they have no idea. Yeah, they, they know better than a normal person than a normal. Person. Oh, that's like that's that's interesting. Yeah, I mean it's. Makes sense. Because there's a structure to it. Like, they have patterns in their brain that map to reasonable games and then therefore can say, okay, well, this is just slight variation on this type of a situation or this type of a game, mm. whatever. But the random, it's like, I, you know. Okay, yeah. It's like, if I showed you, well, think about this. If I showed you a picture, a pixelated picture of a face and I, and I flash for a second and then I'd say, draw his face, you'd be like, okay, I remember it was a mustache and there was a whatever. You could probably describe it and sketch it out. But if I just showed you a random set of pixels on a screen, you would be really hard. That's a good. That's a good analogy. Yeah. You know, our brains are are patterns. involved to 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 memorize certain types of patterns, but particularly faces. You know. But anyway, it was just the reason I bring this up. This this hack or news about forgetting stuff is like that's exactly what I was talking about doing, building like some Na- kind of an app. Snap Learn, wasn't it? Uh, no, I was calling it Memory Hole. Oh, oh yeah, M Hole. The, the Memory Hole, the M Hole. <laughs> The memory hole is actually the opposite. It's like things go down the memory hole to be forgotten, right? Yeah. This is sort of, I mean, it's just a dumb name. But um, I was, I was, the other night I got a kind of wild hair and I said, I, I wonder if you can do what I was thinking of doing, which is that when you do a mouse down and select text in a web view in Titanium that you could fire an event and then like, you know, bring up, a, bring up some kind of a um, popover or something like that. But apparently there's like almost no way to do that. I was all over Stack, Stack Overflow and everything and I couldn't find any way to do it. Just from any page? or, or No, no, you're using the web. Yeah, it, you're using a web view within your app. There's no way to do that. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't see. At least, at least in like... A, I can tell you, I, I, there is a way to do it. Yeah, I spent about 15 minutes on it, 15, 20 minutes of looking. Maybe longer, half hour and I didn't know. I, I got kind of... Usually you come across like a good solution and I, it was it's not like I found like anything that looked good. I, I can tell you the solution right now. I do it. Um, because it, it backs off another solution that I've been like, one of the things that, that they just don't do on OS on the, on iOS, um, is capture the key down event. So, but I I really want to do stuff based on a key down. So the way that I did it was just set JavaScript interval and just basically look at that, look at the text field and see if it changed, just run it every 250 milliseconds. So capture the value, look to see if it's changed. And if it has then that's, that's a key press event. So basically, you could use that exact same technique for the web page. If I select text. So, so basically, you can't tell me that, that, you, that there's some way, there must be some way that you can do like a comparison, you know, once every second or whatever, that this, the, the DOM or the page or whatever must have changed in some way to see that it is different. And so you just compare those two things and then you can basically, cap, obviously you can capture the last touch position or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, like that, so. I think that's how you'd be able to do it. Huh. Yeah, I have to play around with it. I, I mean, I don't really have the time working on it right now, but I was just... Because <laughs> we were talking, I was like, that's the one thing I'm not sure I know how to do. 
you know, if I was going to build an app that would, that would allow you to like select text and then automatically save that with a link. And so you could save like one or two or however many selections and then it would later email you back like the next day or the next week or three weeks. Like here's, here are the, here's the things that you highlighted on this link. Mm-hmm. You know? Cause I was looking, cause you can get ready for the show today. I said, all right, well, let me go through some stuff that I read the last couple of weeks. And I kind of grabbed a few sections of text and I'm like, yeah, really? Like these are the few, like this, Two or three lines of text really sum up the key pieces of information that I can really they're really important to remember, but it also allow me to reconstruct the rest of the And it's always text in a in a like a, a web page, right? Yeah. yeah. So I mean it it has to be affecting the DOM itself to make it look like that. That's why you you will be able to do it. Yeah. So um nothing I want to tell you about. X Files coming back. <laughs> you read that? Oh, I mean I but it, a new show? They're There's re- a six episode, six episode like wrap up of this mini series with, with the same actors. Yeah, with uh, Mulder and Scully. Huh? Aren't they going to be like a bit too kind of? Well, I think that long in the time. Tr- I think well, time will pass in the show as well. Okay. They're going to pretend that it's three years in away or something like that. Right. So six episodes of X Files. I think they'll be pretend that it maybe is 2012. You know, everything the aliens are supposed to invade. Right. That was the whole thing. <laughs> Remember that? No, I do this not. It was also happened in 2000. I didn't really see that. That I didn't watch X Files as religiously as you did, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um. Well, I didn't watch that when it came out. I later on I used to watch it on. Uh, so they said. So the our premise was that in 2012, aliens were going to attack. The aliens were going to evade. All right, right. So that is. So that's that's something to look forward to. That'd yeah. Be fun. Did you? Did you? Um, Walking Dead. Yes, I did. Did you binged? You binged the whole season. Uh, I, no, I didn't binge, but I because I, the, because the last. Three, I, you, when you told me there was like three episodes left, I binged on the first ones. Oh, oh, there's only three left? Yeah. I thought that you were waiting for the half the season or something. No, you reminded me about Walking Dead, like, uh, of the, well, how long is the season? It's like eight episodes? I think like five is, of them. Yeah, the season is... Six, 16, and yeah, right. So, so the second half was eight episodes. You told me when it was about five into the last season. Oh, okay. So I binged on the first five and then... The next three waited. It was, it's awesome. What's, what's, don't give me spoilers, but we just, you can talk in generalities, but. Oh, well, then I can't talk about it because there's, there's no way of talking about it without get, giving spoilers. Well, okay. The, the, the one thing, so it's, it's, it's a bummer that it's over, right? We're going to wait six months. I just now. think it's amazing the juxtaposition now, them in that place. Like, just, it's really clever for the writers to have done, to have made them found a safe place really clever well is it safe we'll never know i know but i'm, ju- I'm nothing ju- I, is safe but, it, but even just to have you know like the three or four episodes where they could have the dialogue of it it's really interesting because if you think about it there, there was no be no other way for them to show that but it's just really clever like you see just how far rick has come i mean he's like i'm gonna kill him <laughs> like in half a second but when you know in the first play episode he was like totally the opposite you know they they were talking like how you call a season you could call you could call the series becoming shane yeah that's you know? true like shane was there in like the first month after the apocalypse right yeah shane was like it you do what you had to do to survive there are no more ethics anymore right it is all huh. survival you have your your family or your group love one and, and it's it's really safety survival first nothing else matters he was there from the beginning and but but somehow he died rick lived and we've had to go on the journey with Rick. So um, I don't want to talk too much about that because I don't want to give anything more than you've already given away. But there is a um, 
there's a spinoff series going to do this summer called Fear of the Walking Dead, and it takes place in L.A. right at the when the out when the apocalypse starts to happen, mm. when the outbreak starts to right at the very beginning, and it's called Fear of the Wa- Fear of the Walking Dead. Huh. So, so obviously a whole different bunch of actors. Nice. So it could be like. You know, the CSI Miami, CSI. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Walking Dead, Seattle. <laughs> Walking Dead, you know, Boca Raton. I mean, <laughs> you know, you could have. It's a really, really good show. But they've done, um, what, this is the fifth season, right? Well, I was reading, I, I was basically reading, you know, I, I typed in like Walking Dead cancellation or something like that just to see. And, um, or, or, or Walking Dead season, you know, something. But anyway. There was an interview with the with the main guy who's behind to the producer. Perfect. He says they've planned out twelve seasons. Twelve. Yeah, they've planned out twelve. Wow, I thought I would just go to ten, <laughs> but I guess well, at the rate they're going, it just keeps getting grow, keeps growing, and it is like, you know, the most popular show on TV. Yeah. And since it's not like a, um, a what do you call it, episodic, you know, it's it's just because it's serial because it's like a long ongoing story, you can just kind of keep going as long as you can come up with creative things to do. Stories that just like it's the same. Every week, it's they're beginning to play around with, like a bit like um, Breaking Bad did, with just different cinematic styles and concepts and the way that the show begins. Like that one show where they showed the end at the beginning. Oh, you know that kind of concept. Yeah, yeah. they're just doing weird, different, interesting. Well, they have different directors, things. right? Yeah, all the time. I mean, uh, I think um, what's the guy who's the uh, the special effects guy? I'm blanking on his name. Shits, is it Nicotero? Like he's directed like ten episodes. That's by far the most. Um, How long did it take you to realize that you'd already seen the whole show on that one episode where they showed you the the end at the beginning? Like, did did you notice the signs as it went along? And you're like, wait, I've seen that one. I don't think so. Oh, okay. I don't remember. Yeah, it tied it tied together nicely. I don't I don't know if I, I don't know if I recall. I mean, that was about six episodes ago, so I don't really right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. But we have to talk about it offline because there's a bunch of different things that the characters. Yeah, we'll talk have about done. that. After yeah. The, show. the um, but I'm looking forward to the spinoff. Like that's that's gonna be fun. That'll be that'll get us to the summer a little bit because I'm like <laughs> six months for the you know. Oh, so oh, is that how they're gonna do it? They're gonna do like six months of this one, six months of that one. Uh, I don't know. No, they just have st- only six episodes have been. I think they said. <coughs> no, actually, may I know? I don't know how many episodes, but uh, the the spinoff will probably just run. A limited thing. It may only be six episodes. Um, okay. I don't know, but but Just the test first the version, yeah, the first version of Walking Dead, the first season was only six episodes. Right. So my guess is that they'll do a short run, test the water, not risk a lot of cash. <laughs> you know, maybe they it was July through September. You know, through like early September, and then it's like okay, now we have like a month left, and then we and the regular Walking Dead starts up. You know, that'll be enough to kind of keep people All excited right. and pull people in and. I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. But, um, you know, speaking of Breaking, Breaking Bad, um, Sandy and I tried to watch um, Better Call Saul. Oh, Better Call Saul, yeah. The spinoff of that. Oh, no, it's funny. Yeah, because that's a spinoff. That's like of their attorney, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but from a period of time before Break, Breaking Bad happens. Um, and uh, I could do it. Okay, halfway through, I'm mean, like, it's just too painful. Why? You know, it's every reason I like Breaking, Breaking Bad, like, I don't like shows like Sopranos and Breaking Bad where people themselves just, they're their own worst enemy. Oh, okay. Just are constantly making bad choices and making things worse. Yeah. I don't like that. I just like, why am I watching you act like an asshole? You're just an idiot, you know? Right. 
you can't you you just you're just so, I, I can't watch people self-destruct you That's, know but i can watch people who are doing the best they can in a situation that is really bad or really challenging like walking dead like people say well walking dead is post-apocalyptic it's like talk about bleak and yeah it's like you know these are people who are not they're doing everything they can to survive giving overwhelming odds or like lost right like these are normal people yeah. kind of like i can watch that even if it irritate me that like nobody would ask obvious questions at different times you know <laughs> like um but anyway i just couldn't do it i mean it's funny i, I saw on imdb was like a 9.2 really highly rated but <laughs> i was like halfway through i had to kind of start watching i was reading my ipad I was does that is Sandy the same as you, or does she like? She it? was watching it, and then I was I started getting kind of like frustrated and just uncomfortable, <laughs> and so then like, I, I so I'm like started reading stuff off Instapaper, and I'm like kind of re- kind of half paying attention because it was just too uncomfortable for me. I don't think you'd like The Office. The Office is so painful. Yeah, I don't like painful comedies. Yeah, you know where where it's like uncomfortable. They just do things that really are yeah. really make them. Uh, I don't like that. That's that's not. You know, it's like this sort of like a, it's like sourness or something. You, you, you eat some sour and you're like, ugh, like I can't do that. I don't, I don't like those kind of comedies. I don't like that kind of dra- self-destructive dramas. I, mm. I mean, the one that we watched that was kind of like that, that I had a struggle, well, I struggled through because it was good, but at the same time it was painful most of the time was Six Feet Under. There must be, I mean, there's obviously a taste for it because there's oh, yeah. a, lot, a lot of people, you oh, know, yeah. watch that stuff, but. Uh, and I don't, I, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, I'm not saying they're bad shows. Mm. It's not like I would say Breaking Bad is a bad show. I mean, it's incredibly well done. This character story. I just personally yeah. can't stomach it. It makes me unhappy to watch it. I watch it and I'm like, I am not. Enjoying it's stre- it's, it brings stress. They, like, I always feel that way. Not about Breaking Bad, but about in the UK, we have these soap operas. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. The soap operas in the UK are different to anyone, any other soap operas. Basically, they're just really trouble and strife, like just people having really shit times. And it's always bad and people screaming at each other and babies crying and just really gritty real life stuff. And it's just like, my God, that that is making me stressed to yeah. look at that <laughs> their yeah. life. Yeah, I hate it. I, I really can't do it. So it's funny. I mean, I gave so we we had recording Better Call Saul. Like we had like 10 episodes or eight episodes, whatever yeah. there was, the first bulk of it all in the DVR. And Sandy's like, well, do you want to give this shot? I'm like, all right, let's let's just watch. After the halfway, I'm like, I can't. She's like, what do you, I like, I can't do it. You can watch if you want. She's like. So is the whole series 9.2 or just that episode? Uh, it's just that I think it was a series, like aggregate, you know, yeah. reading. Um, that must be good. I should probably If you check like Breaking it. Bad, you probably I'd probably like check character. it out, yeah. I mean, I imagine the character is an interesting, I mean, he's a, the actor's good. The character has a lot of color to him, right? Yeah, because he was only, like, he didn't, he, he only had not very much screen time in Breaking Bad, so interesting to see him be really focused on and i could i could see why i could i understand why people redimensionalized i mean i could see why people like him yeah but he's definitely his own worst enemy <laughs> i could see them like oh my god what an idiot you know time shows just just, just like the way we're watching you're looking at breaking bad like why is he doing this <laughs> come on um so let's see what do we got here oh you know um this is interesting oh, oh, a couple small ones you, do you remember a long time ago, I, we, we were talking about houses, like how I, if I had a house, I'd have high ceilings. Oh, yeah. How like a TV shows. You said movies, a TV show always because they, they never have ceilings. They always have higher right. ceilings. Well, they just don't have ceilings. Or they In the studio, yeah. Yeah, the impression you get is that it's a high ceiling, yeah. right? 
And, but in real life, people often have low ceilings. I mean, it always feels kind of compressed and you just feel claustrophobic a little bit. And there was a study that was done about, and it's called Why Our, and the, well, the article about it was called Why Our Brains Love High Ceilings. And they did a few different little experiments. It's like, turns out that people are in a room with high ceilings, they are more creative, they come up with more ideas, they, they just feel less constrained. They feel freer and more creative. Mm. And, you know, which, Kind of makes sense. Yeah, that does. And that's that crazy. when shown, and then also, although when people are trying to think of solutions that were that have a lot of constraints, they solve the they solve those problems better when they're in a low ceiling because <laughs> they're used to constraints. That that was kind of weird. Um, but but when they had more free form ideas, the high ceilings help. But when they looked at pictures, they showed pictures of of rooms of 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 rooms with either high ceilings or low ceilings the the same rooms with higher ceilings were generally rated with as being more beautiful huh. so anyway i just thought that considering we had talked about that before i thought it was idea lab has very high ceilings They're, that's a very like that, that that's a very creative place be cool to like know what kind of ceilings all the greatest entrepreneurs had did you see that story about elon Mu about elon musk um saying he the, he was quoted as saying when I, when I discovered I could live off one dollar a day, I knew I could do anything. I didn't see that. What was that? Was so basically, I, I, I don't remember where I saw. I think maybe it was through Hacker News or something like that. But um, anyway, the gist is is that when he was like at college, um, and he really wanted he really wanted to be an entrepreneur. He really wanted to be in America as an entrepreneur. And he's like, okay, I've got to prepare myself to go to the U.S. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that I could earn thirty bucks a month. I know I could do that. Like, whatever. I mean, I could just, like, do someone's garden. I talk about a low bar. Like, Jeez. I know, so if I can live off $1 a day, then I'm going to be, I'm going to just feel like I can go to America and do anything I want. So he basically worked out how to buy bulk and uh, just live off a dollar a day. When I think it was it was oranges and, I don't know, something else, like beans or something that he was yeah, able wow. to. Yeah, <laughs> wow. I mean, that would be tough to do. But it's a, it's a good, so he's, he's, he felt empowered. Like, as, as long as I know I've got my food, that's all I need. Well, where are you going to sleep? Oh, well, I mean, I'm I'm guessing he's talking about the the food the food needs, not the not the rent or whatever. You see the thing where Tesla put out a false a, a oh, for April Fools April Fools joke about the and and oh. and it, like a hundred and fifty thousand of stock went and sold. It was four hundred thousand shares were traded. It went up for like a couple <laughs> bucks. It was right before the close. Some automated algorithm, automated news re news reading algorithms, or some just trigger happy. Well, the, oh, that was a the texting listener yeah. told us about that, right? Yeah. And so there's they were talking about like is this is an SEC violation, you know, putting out fake information about your company <sighs> and affecting the moving the stock market or whatever, but. And I guess the SEC regulations basically state that any rational person, reasonable person, would, as long as they would not infer it to be real news, and it's fine. You know, that's, that's, yeah, that's sort of the benchmark or whatever. And um, uh, you know, but then like now with algorithms, like do we? Have well, because okay, so the story was the April Fool story was Tesla's releasing the Model M watch. Model W Model W watch. It sells time and the date <laughs> in any country around the world, you know, no matter where you are. And uh, yeah, Richard posted really, that on, on the texting blog. Thanks, Richard. Yes, yeah, so this is really, I mean, I, obviously, I, I think, I think if you're, if you have a dumb enough algorithm that's automatically trading off of that, then, you know, 
That's too bad for you. So they say that people lost money, but people made money. Yeah. Right? Of I course. Mean, it's like they're acting like, well, the money was just evaporated. No, the, the, the dummies lost money and the people who weren't dumb made money. Right? And I didn't realize that the shares were hovering around the 190s. Yeah, it's a, little, it's a little low. That's kind of like maybe a good time to buy in. I'm sort of thinking about it. Because I mean, it was up to the 350s before, wasn't no, it? No, it never got up to... 300? It was like two, up 290 years. Are you still in Tesla? A little bit. I can't remember. We sold a chunk of it because we had to pay some... We had to pay off some taxes. Oh, okay. Stuff. Um, so... The slush fund. Know, maybe we have like a third of it left or something. Well, how's your, how's your Mill Valley Code Club? Going well. I had, we had an investor board meeting. Which is actually just, uh, when Doug and I go eat Indian food. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. our board meeting. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we just, I, um, we were doing, um, so we have two locations and we also have what's called a pop-up location in San Francisco. Where we just rent, they just basically rent a room kind of like how mm. you and I would do. Mm. And they had this going twice a week and, you know, they had some you know, kids that was packed with some kids. And so I just took, uh, I met them over there. I was over in the, in the marina, which is, um right by the, the Golden Gate Bridge. And so yeah. I, I went over and met them there and then I met some of the new, because I didn't even meet, I didn't even know these people. Because the, the, we have a bunch of full-time staff now. We have like six or seven full-time employees now. In addition to be like Uber. You know, I told like, him, I said, you got seven people. I'm like, that's when I jumped, joined Uber. It was yeah. Seven people. Okay. I didn't know. Like, I got like 2,000 people at Uber. Um, so, um, although like, they just looked at me blankly. I don't think they really understood what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just like, so I'm like Doug's friend. I'm like some random guy coming. I'm like, all right, this is cool. You know, like, oh, who is this guy? <laughs> um, and uh, then we, then we, uh, I, you know, they put away the computers and all that stuff. And then we drove back to Mill Valley and uh, whatever. Um, and D Doug and I went and grabbed some Indian food. And uh, um, yeah, we, you know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, that we talked about everything. It's, it's going well. I mean, we got, Two locations and one pop-up location that we're trying to get going. We have things going to a few different schools. Sweet. And, um, you know, they're doing a good job with the programs. There's lots of, like, open lab days. You can come and open lab anytime and, like, on Friday nights. So if you want to go, you know, you and your wife want to go out to dinner or something, you can drop the kid off for two hours. They just have oh, one nice. Lab and, you know, and they can, you know, do their thing. That's a good idea. Yeah, after, I think it's up to, like, two and a half hours. And, and do they, they thought about that specifically? And that's clever I think it's Saturdays are open live so I think it's six like days babysitting but like your kid is learning mm -hmm, that's fun and a bunch of other kids there and then um, you know their camps we have a bunch of camps they're gonna have an oculus camp oh that's gonna be I can't wait till that starts taking hold oculus camp there's a don't you think that's just gonna explode I don't know much like about virtual it. reality so, yeah, oculus it really it's cool. just gonna go it's gonna be huge yeah, so there's all kind of, I think it might be, there might be like a Minecraft modding camp, an Arduino camp, and a robot, oh, nice. advanced and beginning robotics camps, and Oculus camps. So there's all kind of cool camps they got going on this summer. So it's going well. I mean, I think with, with, with Mill Valley, our MV Co. Club, I think it's going to be those things that it's going to take a few years for it to really, you know, get, get, catch some uh, wind or whatever. But once it does, it'll, it'll go. I mean, mm. We should be profitable by September, October. That's what we're targeting. I mean, it just depends how the summer goes. I mean, we're we're making more money every month and everything, but um, you know, we got a lot of staff now. So that's expensive. That's fantastic. Well, I mean, that's really good news, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how that does. Can I ask about other projects now? Like all the the whole year of no, and then the second year of no. <laughs> so, no. do you have any like hangover projects left to axe, or have you are you out of them all now? 
The finished stuff uplytic, I think, uh, you know, like uh, God's Tweets is live, you know, you can. Oh, it works. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can oh. look at it, you can download it. And, I don't know yeah. why you didn't, like, send me an emergency alert. I've been wanting to see that thing I'm for not, ages. I don't know. I just uh, guess I'm not as <laughs> focused on it as you are. I don't know. It's been up for a couple weeks, and uh, I just um, I just got an email about Facebook updating their API, so I, I told Mark, I said, we might need to fix the API, or, or we need to update. You're going to get paid for that, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. But it's all working. It seems to work really well. Is anyone using it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's mostly like, you know, when Reddit started, it's all like, you know, a handful of the founders and friends of the founders posting all the content. You know, you got to get some content on there first, so. Well, I mean, texting listeners, please, even though Jason seems very blase about it, doesn't care, I would advise you, please do download God's tweets, have a look at it, and see just how amazing Jason's coding skills are. Uh, have you downloaded it already, or you just? I just downloaded it right now okay. while we were speaking. Okay, all right. Yeah, I've got to, I'm going to create an account. Well, at least you can see for yourself it's titanium. Yeah. You know, and you can see that titanium is you know creates native quality native stuff. So there's this um, article I read it's called "DNA Nanobots Set to Seek and Destroy Cancer Cells in Human Trial." Really? Yeah. So there's this woman who's basically, you know about to die she's like gonna die she if without treatment she's dead in june or july or something like that leukemia just ravaging your body and so there's these 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 researchers have come up this way of creating these uh, pure these nanobots or pure dna that can um basically go into i mean i, I don't know what kind of you know either in a virus or what kind of a delivery mechanism they have but they go and they connect directly up to these leukemia cells and inject like this destroy yourself message, you know, encoded DNA sequence or something, <laughs> you know, which is really cool. That's very cool. And they think it's, she'll be healed in a month. They think she's going to be better in a month. That's what their guess. That's what they're, they think is going to happen based on their, their in vitro and animal trials and stuff. But they, I guess they're going to go for a forward on the end the, by the FDA because like she's going to die a day in a month anyway. Like she's dead. Nothing happens to death. But why, why isn't that like front page news? Uh, was, where did you get it from? I don't know. I, I want to know what's... I'm looking at it right now. IFLScience.com. Do send a link to that because I want to want to read that. That's very... That's great. Yeah. That could be that could be a big deal for like... Or, or, is his name Aubrey de Grey? Aubrey? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's that whole thing about living to a thousand. Oh, did, did I have this discussion with you about living to a thousand? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had a thought about that. Okay. So let's say... We could live to a thousand. We were perfectly healthy. All, like techniques like this enabled us to live to a thousand. We weren't old people. We, we, we like would we No, we were like thirty. You know, thirty in our thirties for a thousand years. You're gonna go backwards. Okay, just forties or whatever. <laughs> just basically, you know, like young and healthy. Right. Could just technically, from a memory storage point of view, could your brain cope with that? Well, because we forget stuff constantly. It's like having a hard drive that's constantly erasing. Stuff. I know, but like a thousand years. I mean, think about it. Like, aren't you already like just a, feeling like a little bit like your brain's filling up and you're only in your forties? Imagine being a thousand. Like, wouldn't your brain be? I mean, what what would be real anymore? Uh, I mean, you'd you'd be thinking back to when you were born or when you were a kid, when I was ten, or well, you know, like, because it's stuff too so long ago. It's like. Yeah, no, you 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 remember the things that you think back on and remember and think about. You know, otherwise you lose it. I I I, th- I don't I think you would hold on to those memories just like 
you know, when people are in their 80s, they still remember when they were kids, just like you and I do. But, but they don't probably remember much less than we were now because you, you, you usually think about the same sort of limited set of circumstances and images when you were a kid. I just wonder. I, think it's not that much, I don't think it takes up that much uh, memory space. I, I wonder if that's the Achilles heel of living to a thousand. I got, I got a theory that, that because basically no one's ever had to remember that long, you know, get, keep that much, keep that length of stuff in their brain. I mean, the other thing is like, well, every time you remember, it essentially re- erases the memory and then it re-imprints it. Remember, we've talked about that recall. They did the studies, and, and, anyway. and that's why it seems like it's new. Yeah, well, because that, because 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 a little piece of organic matter. It's not like silicon where it's going to stay there. It, it like It's going to change. All the cells in your body change all the time. So you have to keep on recreating the memory. Yeah. I mean, the I'm not changes. exactly sure about the physiology of it, but I, I remember we talked about this on the show a couple, two or three years ago. They did a study about people who have uh, PTSD, and they would like have them recall an event, but instead of focusing on the negativity of it, the emotional negativity, they would try and focus on everything being happy and everything okay, and so then they, they re-imprint the emotions as being positively associated and negatively associated, so that, that was curing the PTSD. And they discovered that if they, if you were called something, and then at the same time they, they gave them this medication that a lot, would not allow you to make short-term memories, make new memories, that you forgot it. So the, it's, it's almost like if you open up a file, it deleted off your hard drive. So if you did not save it again, it's gone. It's like one of those messaging apps. That's secret. It's like this message is self-destruct. Like right, right, right. It's self-destruct. <laughs> By the, the act of reading it, recalling it, deletes it. So you have to resave it. Every- that's, the, that's, the way, that's the way rabbit message queue works. If you pull a message off the queue, if you even look at the message, it's, it's not on the queue anymore. Okay. Yeah, well, that's right. That's how your brain is, apparently. So, so I would, que- I mean, because our healthiest people are like around, I don't know, 50 or whatever, or I mean, 30, 30 to 50, you know. Like, why are they the healthiest? Okay, well, 20. Is there anyone? Okay, so 20. Probably early 20s would be. Okay, your, so when you're your healthiest, you've barely had any time to remember stuff. 20, right? When you're 60, you've had a lot of time to remember stuff, and you're not really that great at remembering stuff, and your brain doesn't really work that well. Well, so if you're a thousand. No, the reason you're not remembering stuff is because you're just not operating as well because your, your body's deteriorating. Your brain is, your nervous system is deteriorating. It's not because you have more stuff in your brain. It's your brain is just getting, it's just like the rest of your body. You just, your body's breaking down. Your nervous system is breaking down. I don't know. You now, should just, just thousand years I don't think memories. it's a problem for you because you're going to die anyway. <laughs> you're not even worried about it. Well, you're going to be cryogenically frozen. <laughs> right. So you'll be, you'll... I am cryogenically freezing myself. <laughs> I, I'm throwing the Hail Mary. I have a Hail Mary, you know. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make sure, wherever you cryogenically freeze yourself, I'm going to freeze myself just next to you. So that when, when you wake up, I'll be right there. Hey, Jason, <laughs> let's record an episode of texting. <laughs> yeah, how many other guys decided to freeze themselves? <laughs> Are you texting listeners out there? Yeah. <laughs> we should have the texting. 2257. The texting cryogenic uh, frozen room. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I... um. Yeah, my buddy Mitch and I have been talking about that since we were in high school. You know, yeah. Every once in a while, we'll send each other an email. Oh, did you see this? You know, it's, yeah, I don't know. Hey, man, I, I, I always believe it's like a Hail Mary pass is better than nothing, right? I Mitch, guess. It's fourth down. You're down by three and there's five seconds left. You might as well throw it in the end zone. Someone might catch it, right? There's still hope. It happens sometimes. Well, that didn't happen to, see, uh, to Seattle Seahawks in this last one. Well. They tried exactly that. And but they... still, but would you rather just down it and say, oh, I guess we lose? No. 
Yeah, because you've got control over that. You got to give it a shot. You've got control over losing. You've got no control over a Hail Mary. Isn't it better, better the devil you know than the devil you don't? What is that? It doesn't make any sense. So you would rather kill yourself or submit to death willingly because you have control over it rather than you have giving yourself a chance? I don't know. It seems a bit desperate, you know, like trying to, like that, that kind of Hail Mary. It's not that desperate, but it's, okay. I don't know. It's just. Is it a social thing? You're worried about how people think of you? Because they're all going to be dead anyway, so it doesn't matter what they think. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting concept. But, but like, the thing, I mean, when you're cryogenically frozen, is it like freeze, is it like freeze, instant freeze? No, so what, the, the, what, the way I understand it is that... Do you still have blood in your system? They, they drain the body out. So basically, what's, ideally, this is what happens. Let's say you're older... You're dying of cancer. You're dying of just old age. You're in the hospital. You know, you, you know. Ideally, you don't get crushed in a car accident. You just die, and your body's mangled because you're that kind of situation. You're kind of out of luck. Yeah. But if you're lucky enough to be, you know, you're 85, 95. You're in the hospital. Your kids and grandkids are visiting you, and they're like, okay, you know how it is. Usually, they say, you know, they'll 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 basically call you and say, you know, you better come visit your grandpa. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, he may not that's another couple of days. So then you put the the you the the cryogenic company or whatever in the area and you say there on Lord, he's probably going to go any time. And so when they get close and they have people right there, you know, they're waiting. And then when you go under it, the minute when they pronounce dead, you're dead, they take over, they have this process where they drain the body out and they, they, they drain the body of blood. They draw a body of blood and they inject it with, a, with, with this sort of antifreeze stuff that basically prevents so that when you are frozen, it prevents the cells from um, crystals from forming the cells and destroying the cell tissue. And they've gotten better and better at that. And it continues to get better. There's less and less damage. So what you really don't want is that the brain gets filled up with a bunch of crystals that destroy the brain tissue and therefore all your memories, which is essentially who you are, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's like... <laughs> it's it makes like, a lot more sense than you're like, your brain's filling up with memories. It makes a lot of sense. And it's like, I don't think... I, I mean, that it feels like a bad thing to subject your, like, you know, your loved ones to... Sorry, yeah, sorry, honey. You're, you like they're just gonna cut off your grandpa and fill and drain his blood and fill up his veins with. How does that mean? They're, you're dead. You're God. You know, it's like when my mom passed away. Mm -hmm. You say your goodbyes. Everybody leaves the room. Yeah. When, people aren't hanging around the room for days with a corpse. You're gone. Everybody yeah. leaves. They go home, and you know, and it's preparing for the funeral morning. The, the body is just there. What happens to the body? Even I mean, what has the body gets. Sent off to either. But can they really stop or? stop crystallization from happening? I, I, I mean, in your whole what body. What I understand. I mean, it's like I follow this. I check up on this about once every five years. When yeah. Mitchell send me a link, or I'll happen to see some. Yeah. A documentary or something on it. Um, it's not like I spend much time thinking about this, but um, from what I understand, this continued to get better and better. They keep finding better and better uh, chemical solutions to, to 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 minimize the crystal damage. So then, when they revive you, they're going to unfreeze you. They're gonna pull, take the They're fluid out of your, replace it with blood, and and theoretically, just like how we have all these amazing scientific things like DNA nanobots are killing leukemia. Yeah, I mean this stuff is happening at an incredibly rapid pace. All these amazing scientific medical breakthroughs. So you put this thirty years, eighty years, hundred years, and and you know, I'm not sure how. It may not even be that long before they're like, yeah, we have ways that like just how like 
when you have a picture or something that missing data, like you can have interpolation routines that fit in everything. And it's like a, it's a, you can get like a perfect reconstruction. There might be things like, well, there are certain dendrites or neurons or whatever that were damaged. But given the fact that we have these massive, these very fast computers that can reconstruct a whole brain, high resolution MR image, we know where the damages are. We can send in nanobots that go in and re, re in, 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 and, um, interpolate. The I guess they're going to have to keep you in a very fresh state. Because, like, the reanimation of an actual dead person is, like, obviously clearly impossible. Like, no, you're, well, you're frozen. Well, you're yeah, frozen. Yeah, so you're, you're very frozen. That's, that's, that's the color. Frozen. You're cryogenically frozen. That's fresh is a frozen pea. You're frozen. Nice. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But at least when you die, you went, you died thinking, I might be woken up virtually instantaneously from now. Right? Yeah, but there could be a, a, a downside. Let's say on the off chance that, like, you know, there's some spiritual world and we have souls or something like that. There's Which I, I assign exactly zero probability. I know. Go ahead. So I've, we, I've, we're floating around in some, some imagination. I've heard yeah. that your soul is bound. I think I said this to you, this to you the last time. Yeah, that's said the whole the seven grams BS. The soul, the soul is like bound to your like body or whatever. So it, it's stuck. It's stuck. It can't go anywhere because your body's still like not in a dead state. Not in a truly kind of decomposed state, releasing the soul. In the famous words of Ray Barboni from Get Shorty, what a bunch of fucking bullshit. <laughs> 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 I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> All right. So, um, what, what, let's see, I, I have one or two more links. All right, we'll do, we, be, we better finish up soon because... Um, George is going to come home yeah, and want her uh, living room back? Yeah. Okay. So, I'm going to go through these really quickly. Um, one, uh, so there's a, stu a new study says it doesn't matter how much time you spend with your kids. Did you see that? No. So basically it says at least for kids who are in age between 3 and 11, they, you know, whether you spend a lot of time with them or not, it just basically, it says here what it says. It says the researchers find that there is no correlation between the amount of time mothers spend with their children and any kind of life outcomes. Just to be sure, they looked at this two ways. Available time when a Mom is, was around and engaged time when she was specifically interacting with the kid. Either way, it makes no difference. <laughs> and um, it, it, it turns out the most reliable parenting strategy is simply to be rich. Beyond that, it's not clear <laughs> that what parents do, <laughs> at least among the range of things that more or less normal people do, is actually all that significant. Just be rich. Be rich, right? <laughs> like that's, that's, that's the, uh, yes, that's the solution. So here's another one. Um, this was in Scientific American. It was interesting. It's called Economic Inequality. It's far worse than you think. So I want to read a couple of snippets out of here. See, this is the kind of stuff that I would highlight. Yeah. And would be emailed back to me. You know, I'm like, this is exactly. You could just read this stuff off in the show as well. And it would make for a much more interesting show. Well, I would actually have been, been re-exposed to it like several times. So it would be imprinted in my brain. You know, it would just be <laughs> like, I would know it by heart. It says, the average American believes that the richest fifth owns 59% of the wealth and the bottom 40% owns 9%. Yeah, you got and that? the truth is, so the, I mean, when they took they 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 surveyed like fifty thousand people or something, so they got yeah. across the country and stuff. So, so basically, the average American believes that the richest fifth owns okay, roughly sixty percent. Yeah, twenty okay, percent owns the six percent, and the bottom forty percent owns about ten. Mm -hmm. Okay, the reality is strikingly different. The top twenty percent of U.S. households own more than eighty-four percent of the wealth. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the bottom 40% combined, combined for a paltry 0.3%. Oh, wow. The bottom 40% 
owned virtually nothing. But they really screwed. The, listen, here's what's amazing. The Walton family. You know, Wal- the Walmart family, right? Wal- the, the Wal- yeah, Wal- Walton family? Yeah. The Walton family, for example, has more wealth than 40%, 42% of American families combined. Jeez. Six people. Wow. Isn't amazing. It is incredible. Okay. And it says, in our ideal distribution, the top quintile, or 20%, uh, okay, this is when asked, you know, people, what would be, what do you think would be reasonable? So, the top quintile owns 30%, 32%, and the bottom two quintiles own 25%. As the journalist Christia Freeland put it, Americans actually live in Russia, although they think they live in Sweden, and they would like to live on a kibbutz. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Nice. So, the last one says, the median American estimated that the CEO to worker pay ratio was 30 to 1. Is that right? The CEO makes 30 times what the median worker makes. Oh. They estimated that. Okay, yeah. And, and, and that ideally, it'd be 7 to 1. Okay? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you want the reality? Take a guess. I'm going to say... Well, let me just no, do no, 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 calcula- no, 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 Googling. Just, no, I, I was going to do a calculation because no, I've, no, no, I've no, got no. a guess, but I... I okay, no, it's too late. It's too slow. The reality... I'm going to say like 25. Okay. You're way off. The reality is 354 to 1. What? The oh average CEO makes 354 times the amount that the median worker makes. Jeez. That's crazy. Um, okay. 50 years ago, it was 20 to 1. Oh my so God. it's gone from 21 to 354 to 1. Okay. Again, the pattern was the same for all subgroups, regardless of age, education, political affiliation, or opinion on equality and pay. So this is Republicans, Democrats, liberals. Everybody pretty much had. This is everybody. Whatever. Yeah. Um, and some the research the researchers concluded respondents underestimate actual pay gaps, and their ideal pay gaps are even further from the reality than those underestimates. Pretty amazing, actually. It is. That's not that's not a great situation. Um, and I think things are going to continue to. Getting more extreme. So the thing is, things get really extreme until they hit some kind of rock bottom, and then there's a severe react over reaction back the other way. Yeah, that's what always what happens is people who who are getting more than their fair share get push and push and push. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's social or political or financial, whatever. People will keep pushing into a point that other people eventually just flip out, and then there's a severe reaction the way. Either whether it's a but they'll never be able to do anything about it though. Uh, I don't know. I mean, unless you like do a, a Russia. I mean, you're talking about like, like a socialism. Yeah, well, I, I'm not. I'm not saying things. Like I mean, I don't really know what the reaction will be, but it. But it's kind of interesting because either way you do it, you end up in the same situation because, like, obviously in socialism, as is proven time and time again, it's really just like six people at the top who get everything, right? Well, you're thinking more communism. But a communism, yeah. Communism, but yeah, like, I mean, most most these most of this. The, the state top-down control things have not worked out very well at all. They've actually turned out to be worse in most cases. But the social democracies, you could argue, like in Sweden and stuff, Norway, they, they seem to have worked out pretty well in a lot of ways. But I don't know. Um, it's, what's, the, what's the wealth distribution like in those places? Is it just more regular? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, I don't think it's nearly as extreme. The inequality is not nearly as extreme as this is by, yeah. by any margin. It's probably closer to what they said, closer to the ideal, probably more like what it was here in the 50s. You know, um, I don't really know. It'd be interesting to find out. Um, mm. But uh, it was interesting though when we, when Sandy and I went to Sweden and Norway, when we were in um, taking a um, a ferry ride out into the bay out of the and, and looking, at, they were they were huge houses. There was gorgeous houses on the on the bay. And I was like, 
This doesn't. I want some of this. Some of this doesn't look like sexism to me. You know, I mean, these houses look like if they were, yeah. they'd be like five million dollar houses in California. I mean, these are huge. These aren't wow. like. These were like, oh, these are little socialist cottages. I mean, these, they were massive. They were gorgeous. I'm like, oh my god, yeah. Give me some of that socialism, please. But yeah. uh, I don't know. Uh, but uh, what I'm just saying is there could be in another 10 to 20 years, like we saw like the Occupy Wall Street kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I bet you there'll be something like that, but it'll be like an order of magnitude bigger. Yeah. And, you know, many more people will decide that things are just way too unfair for way too many people. And um, I don't know. Could well, you know, the big the big discussion that I keep reading, a ton, I see all over the place now is the the robots taking your job. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Which, and I don't mean, and it doesn't just mean robots like there's a literally bipedal robot walking around doing stuff. No, it's algorithms as well, like algorithms writing the news, things like that. Efficiency of all kinds. Yeah. Um, you know, and you and I have both been a part of that in one way or another. We jobs just shift in, into other places. But, you know, the, the, the sort of the discussion is, is there have been discussions like this ever since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution where yeah. people talk about how all these people, all these agricultural jobs, or all these manufacturing are, are going to be gone and never be replaced. And up until now, there have always been ways to, for people, the, the, the economy adjusts and people end up finding new jobs. But there is this technological dislocation of jobs in the short term, in the short term not being three months, short term being, you know, 10, 20 years, where people's lives suffer and are kind of ruined in the short term. Like there are parts of a generation whose lives just suck, right? They don't, it's not like six months later, oh, hey, you got a whole new job, you know? Mm-hmm. It, the population at large over time adjusts. But, so the real question is, is it different this time? You know, will, is there an unlimited amount of human demand for services that, that there will always be services that robots or automation can't automate out of existence or not? And um, I don't know, I feel like there's an article pops up like that, like at least, Twice a week, I'm reading. Yeah, no, I've I've seen them around. What's your thought on that? I mean, I think. Well, it, it depends on whether people want to kind of re-educate. But I mean, in terms of technology, I mean, there's there's so many te- technology computer-based jobs coming up and and available. But then again, they then get automated, but then new ones get created. I don't know. I'm kind of like optimistic, and I think I'm an optimist on it, and think that ultimately jobs will. Will so you don't think that at least in the near 20, 30 years, I mean, who knows what happens in 100 years? You don't think in the next 20, 30 years in your pre-cryogenic lifetime <laughs> <laughs> that there's going to be a situation where vast swaths of the population are essentially automated out of the job market, that there really is no job market for these people. I mean, when I think about the potential automation of things like uh, logistic networks, which uh, obviously have thousands of people working there, obviously cabs, you know, once that's fully automated and there's no drivers anymore with cabs, there's no drivers with um, lorries. Um, I mean, there must be, there must be so many jobs with warehousing, all this kind of stuff. Um, that are fully automated. Yeah. That, 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 that will be fully yeah. automated. Like Amazon's setting the way, but in the future, everything's going to go like that. Right. I mean, TSA, I mean, would, would TSA be fully automated, do you think? I mean, or do you think that there's always going to be people there? Yeah. Like, people patting you down at the... I don't know, just like, I, I could imagine that, you know, that kind of thing just being completely automated, yeah, at, like, yeah, ultimately. Yeah. 
And um, there's very few things that are completely immune to it. Mm. Um, I mean, at least in the, at least in the long term. In the short term, yeah, like there's not a robot that's going to be a really good masseuse, probably, right? What about like something like quantitative analysis? I mean, c- can that? I think that's one of the most easily automated things. You think? I think you know. In fact, my buddy Dimitri, who did a YC company that that was basically this automated machine learning company, you would what put up data sets and it would just find out all the stuff. And what about chef? Like a chef? Get robot in the kitchen? Yeah, I mean it, that may be further yeah. off. That may be more like 40, 50 years as opposed to like 15 to 20, you know. Um, but remember, like I said before, I mean, I've always said like once we get to a replicator situation, then we're in the world of E&M banks and everyone becomes artisans. And life is just about exploring your passion. Yeah, I don't think most people are artisans. I think most people don't have a career. I think most people are just the watching TV. Well, okay, they'll be consumers. They'll be, so they'll be the one that, you know. They're the, going to be creating anything that anyone cares about. But there will be, you always need creators. Like, robots aren't yeah. going to write stories, you know? Really? Well, they're not going to write good ones. Really? I don't think so. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they're going to write I very good. I don't know. That's a never? I think that they like... I bet you they'll never, like, outright the best writers in terms of, like, just grabbing your heartstrings and all that kind of stuff. I mean, maybe they can copy it. But I was, I was actually, I can't remember the article I was reading, but it was talking about the fact that AI... You know, in terms of what we talk about, AI is 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 barely even possible. Like just just simple things. I mean, well, like writing a story about love, or just so many. Diff- I think I I think that's going to be one of the easier things to do. I think that you can reconstruct the formulas that make good stories and mix and match them in any number of semi-random ways that they're all a little bit different and you can just basically I bet you could do that I'll bet you that's something we'll see I'll bet we'll see automated novels in 10 to 15 years I mean they might not be great and they may be kind of funny at first but I'll bet you you'll be able to do that just like you can have like they they generate music but like okay let me just put it this way the humans are so um what's the word uh, adaptive like adaptive, like they're so adaptive. I mean, you can take a human, put him into a new situation, teach him a quick little task, and and even give him some like, you know, you've you've some autonomy, and they can start doing that thing really quickly. And it could be anything. Like computers have to be programmed for everything that they do. Like they have to have some knowledge about it beforehand. There has Not to be necessarily. Has like, to be some so, framework. The, the guy, I think it was the guys that was at DeepMind that was bought by Google that learned how to play like twenty nine different video games better than the best humans have ever played them. With, right. With no ex- with no pre-programming the game, all they do is look, take in the pixels of the game, of the screen. Right. So therefore, they're they're doing they some they're doing something. But they learned by just all they had to do was look at pixels of the game. It wasn't like, well, this is how these are the this is the, the, the rules of the game, and here's how you control. They just virtually no no there no knowledge. There's like 29 different games. That was that's one of the things that spurred this recent fate of of concern about the power of deep learning like wow if like if we have a, these algorithms that learn to play all these video games without ever being explicitly programmed to beat them like is that scary you know i still think this stuff's for it i'm still i'm still somewhat of a skeptic on the whole um wrong ai in the near term that like Haw- stephen hawking and elon musk are, are warning against mm. summoning the demon i'm still a little skeptical of that um Conscious AI, but I'm just, not. But I'm not no. talking about conscious AI. In this well, I am. Just like we are, because things don't have to be conscious to do all these things that we're talking about doing. 
things don't have to be conscious to beat this to, to outpredict the stock market better than humans. They don't have to be better than humans to compose beautiful music, to I don't to generate stories. They're not conscious. They're still they've still learned from data and examples and patterns and uh, you know, I don't know. Okay, there's a there's a there's a robot in this room with 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 some kind of like AI. And I say to him, We'd go and boil an egg. He's be like, What? What how? Well, just grab the egg out of the fridge, get the pan, put the water in and boil it. It's gonna be like I don't know any, any of those things. About, like you talk your phone to Siri and you ask it questions and it, it has understands it enough to like figure things out. Yeah, but I don't there's know. there's like new there's new situations all the time. I mean, life is infinite, right? There's so many different possibilities. I think it's adaptive. I I don't know about the consciousness. I think that's a little further off. Do you think that's possible too? Awareness, but I do. Think, you think self awareness is possible? I don't. I think it was possible. I just think it's. it's, it's, it's I think it's a hard problem to solve. I'm not, I'm just being a little conservative about how long it's going to take to get there. But I think that we will have very, very clever, self-adaptive, self-learning algorithms that will be able to perform a huge percentage of the things that we do every day as well or better than us. Within 20 years. A lot, a good chunk. Not all of them. Not, maybe not most of them, but a lot of them. And, um, you know, I mean, one of the things that they really suck at they, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things they still suck at. But, you know, one of the things they suck at is, like, you robots are still, like, you still don't have, like, a decent robot that can walk around, like, our, you know, like, uh, C-3PO or something, right? Right. You know? Um, I, you know, there's still, like, this... this but, like, uh, you know, the, the Turing test, like, a robot convincing you... It's, uh, like, a script convincing you that it's human. Like, but it's all just... It, it's, it's still just completely fake. It's nothing like a real person. In any way, what? other than just s- saying strings of text, well, I don't know. Maybe that's what I'm doing, as far as you know. You know, maybe no. I'm not really conscious. I'm just sort of a series. I'm a pattern matching prediction machine that just throws out random crap that sounds like it's <laughs> makes sense. No robot is going to talk that much. Well, the interesting. <laughs> so when we're cr- cryogenically reinvigorated yeah we awaken and we'll rebuild. look back we'll have a robot as our first guest <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like futurama where they have those heads in jars right you know that's gonna be you and so me we'll have this like so we'll, we'll have you fully we'll be fully you know rebuilt hopefully to like our 30 year old selves <laughs> free injuries you know, and we'll have a robot. Jason's going to get out. He's going to wake up. And the first thing he's going to do is, I'm going to dunk. I am going to <laughs> dunk like a, I'm going to monster dunk. That's the first thing I'm going to do. And next thing I want to go talk to a robot. <laughs> All right. All right. That's a wrap. Wow. A toy? As I suspected, I hate toys. And toys hate me. Either they are going or I am going. And I am certainly not going, Grinsley. I have a job for you to do. Now take this down. It's a difficult responsibility that you accept from the number one lawmaker, me. Have it known throughout the land from sea to sea. Toy makers to the king. All the tin soldiers melt them down. 
Wash the face of every clown, each bouncing ball deflated. No, I don't want to debate it. The ballerinas who pirouette rest their musical toes, outlaw the dolls and sink the boats. They bring me only woes. It's a difficult responsibility that you accept from the number one lawmaker, me. Have it known throughout the land from sea to sea. There'll be no more toy makers to the key. Every jack in the box be sealed. Till my wounded pride be healed. Stuff animals, unstuff them. When a child objects, rebuff them. No more drummers who rat a tat tat. No buglers who root a toot toot. Don't let me see another toy. Or you will feel my boot. It's a difficult responsibility that he extracts from the number one lock keeper, me. Be it known throughout the land, from sea to sea. Boys are hereby declared illegal, immoral, unlawful, and Anyone found with a toy in his possession will be placed under arrest and thrown in the dungeon. There'll be no more toy makers! 